Our exposition this morning is Matthew 7, so I encourage you to get your Bibles out. And we're going to look at verses 13 all the way to the end of the chapter. We're going to go down to verse 27, but our, my focused exposition is going to be 13 through 20. Uh, before we get to that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon us right now. Father, help us to focus our minds and our hearts upon your word. Father, help us with all the, the faith that is in us, the strength that you've given us, Father, to listen to the words of your son, Jesus, in this amazing sermon. May these words have effect upon our hearts and our minds. May they change us. May we carry them with us. May we share them with others. Now, Father, we ask that you forgive us as we forgive others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so this morning we look at by their fruits. And the subject matter is deception. Deception. You like being deceived? You ever been conned before? So, you know, that happens. Um, you, you know, you ever been to a car dealership? So, uh, have you, uh, you ever turned on your computer and uh, got one of those ads? You got a virus on the computer, call this number. Don't call that number. You know, not unless that's actually your uh, antivirus. Probably not. So you get, you get things like that that are deceiving. You get people calling you out of nowhere. Okay? And as a minister here in the congregation, I, I get people who will call here or show up. Um, mostly in this congregation, that they, uh, they just call. But over in Jacksonville, people will show up and they give me this big story. I'm traveling from here to here. I just happened to stop here and I just need a little bit more money. Um, and so many times have I found out that's a lie and I feel conned. I feel bad. I'm like, how many times have I given something that my family needed to somebody who was just lying to me? I don't like that. I don't like being deceived. So Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount here with an important message. Don't be deceived. And he tells us how not to be deceived. And he gives us a foundation for that and a way to do that. And I think this is very important. I think it's important to so many levels. With society telling us things, our own desires telling us things, we telling ourselves certain things, that can be deceptive. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, let's see. There we go. But um, we want to listen to these words here. We want to be aware of the right way of living, that there is a narrow way that Christ has given to us. And the whole of the Sermon on the Mount has been to encourage us, this is the narrow way. This is the hard way. This is the difficult way. But it leads to life, and it leads to eternal life. And that's the power and the beauty of it. And so we want to avoid the broad way. You know, you can get out there on the interstate that everybody's traveling and go that direction. Um, or you can follow Christ and go a different way. Go the path that He leads. So let's open our Bibles. Let's go to Matthew 7. We're going to read verses 13 through 20. And we're going to draw out from the text. All right, Matthew chapter 7. Verses 13 out of verse 20. Listen to what Jesus says. And part of this did come from last week's message as well. So look at verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. First of all, Jesus is saying it's easy to go to the way to destruction. He wants us to avoid that. That's why he's going to give us a warning about deception in a moment. All right, keep going. And he says, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Few who find it. Look at verse 15. Beware 
of false prophets. So he follows that up with saying, I want you to be aware, be careful, be attentive. Open your eyes to false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Notice that. You know, Jesus at the beginning of this chapter says, um, judge not, that you be not be judged. And now he's saying, now I want you to actually make a judgment when you look at the fruits of an individual who's a teacher or a prophet. And if they're teaching things that are wrong and the fruits they produce are wrong, then you should be able to identify that they are a false prophet. He goes on. You will know them by their fruits. He says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So you should be able to tell where the fruit's coming from and the source of it. What is the source? Look at verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. By their fruits, you will know them. Therefore, in other words, this is how you do it. This is how you're aware of deception and false teachers and false prophets. You're going to be able to look at the fruits that they produce. All right, you do have examples of individuals in the Bible like Apollos. He was teaching baptism of John the Baptist when he was corrected by Priscilla and Aquila. He repented and started teaching the complete truth and taught accurately. All right, so sometimes there are individuals who can teach things falsely. You know, I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. The book, James chapter 3, verse one says, don't many of you be teachers? Why? Because when you speak, sometimes you're going to err. It's going to happen. There's a difference there in someone who's uh, trying to preach the word of God or proclaim the truth and uh, someone who is actually teaching heresy and is leading people off into destruction and giving them something that, that will ruin their lives. This is what we see here. Some observations again from Matthew 7 that I'm drawing out. You might see more than this. I mean, Christ urges listeners again, very simply, go through the narrow gate. Uh, go through the, 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 the narrow way. You know, everybody has a different way. They say, oh, I've got my way of living. Follow, what's he mean? He says, follow God is what he means. Follow Christ. Now, everything that Jesus has taught on the Sermon on the Mount is showing us the narrow way. Then he's telling us that there's another way. And the way for the, the Greek word for way can also mean road here. I mean, that's usually how it's translated. It's a road. He says the road that goes to perdition, to destruction, to the word means ruin. He's clearly referring to hell here. Jesus preached more about hell than anybody else in the Bible. All right. He's saying there's a road to destruction that many people are following. Many of them. So you start thinking, and we look at the world today, and I would like to say that most of the world would be going in the right way. That's what I would like to say, but it's not true, is it? What we see is many people going down the broad road. They're going down the road of destruction. They're abandoning Christ. They're not paying attention. They're not listening to Him. They're not following God. All right, so they're heading that direction. But then you have Jesus saying there's few, few who find the narrow entrance just to find the entrance. That is to hear the words of Christ, to seek out God. And again, like we just read earlier in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, seek and you will find. You seek God and you seek Christ, you will find that narrow entrance. And then the road is described as confining. It's narrow. It's a different word right there in the Greek text. But again, it's a confining road that leads to life. What life? Eternal life. Everlasting life. The life when Christ comes back that we will resurrect from the dead just as Christ rose from the dead. That's the life we look forward to. The receiving of the glorious body at the resurrection. That's the life we're being promised here. 
And then Jesus, he warned his audience again to be on guard. That'd be another way of translating the word here for where, where our, my translation I just read says, be aware, be attentive. And it just seems like that's not strong enough. The idea is that you're like a soldier on guard. Be on guard against false prophets. Do I really need to be warned about that? I can't be deceived. And a lot of us, we might have that kind of mindset. I can't be deceived. Nobody's going to fool me. We might tell ourselves that, and Jesus is saying here in warning, there are false prophets, and they're going to look like sheep, but they're actually devouring ravenous wolves. Paul warns the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, he says, there's coming after me, even some from among you who are wolves, and they're going to devour the congregation. They're going to come in and they're going to lead people astray. Lead people away from the truth. And so Christ wants his listeners, his followers, his, his students, his disciples to be aware of this and be prepared. All right. And then we have Christ here telling us that we people, we can know that false prophets, who they are by their fruits, by what they produce. What do they produce? We can also see from the source whether they're a thorny plant. And this is a bad tree here. The word for bad means it's rotten, it's decaying, it's dead, it's producing bad fruit. You ever had a bad, bad tree that produced, produced bad fruit in your yard? I have. Yeah, I've, I've had that. And you know what you do with those trees? You cut them down and you burn them. And that's what we see here in the text. This tree is burning, is uh, producing bad fruit. And then we have Christ reveals here. And what we're going to see a little bit further is that Christ makes the judgment. He, Christ puts himself as the person, the, the one as God who will make the judgments on the final day. That all people will stand before his judgment seat. And we're going to see that a little bit further on. And then Christ says, you know what's going to happen to that tree that's producing bad fruit that's lying? So a false, a false prophet, again, is someone who's speaking heresy, the ruin and destruction. Uh, a prophet is someone who's claiming they have divine or special knowledge from God. The prophet, the Greek word prophetes, means to speak forth. And so they're speaking forth error. And ultimately what's going to happen to them, they're going to come to their own ruin. They're going to be cut down. God's going to bring them to judgment. They're going to come to an end. And the final end there is thrown into the fire, which is often Jesus' description, borrowing from Isaiah 66 and verse 24, the descriptions there of uh, of fire and darkness where the worm does not die. It's that place that's described as hell in the Bible. Jesus is emphatic again to his disciples, his students, that again, he ends it. He says, you will know them by their fruits. Why would he say it twice? He says, this is it. I don't want you to be led astray. I don't want you to go off into the road of destruction. I don't want you to follow someone who's actually heading to hell. And so you need to look at their fruits. Who is he warning about in the context there? Who's a threat? Well, he's talked about the hypocrites and the picture of them are the religious leaders of the day. They act as hypocrites. They pray for show and they give for show and they fast for show and they do all these things. They appear as sheep, but they're wolves. But their fruit will bear out. You'll be able to tell who they are by their actions. All right? And you, maybe you've known that. You've, you've come across some of these false prophets before. Um, and maybe you've seen them sneak into a congregation. That's another thing the Bible warns about is uh, 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter says they will sneak in. They'll come in secretly. And so they may not be the preacher and they may not be an elder or a deacon. They could just, just be someone who comes in and starts spreading division, causing problems. And 
and, and all kinds of saying all kinds of things that are heretical that cause problems within the congregation and lead people to believe things that are contrary to the words of Christ. To where individuals today will say, okay, I love Jesus, but I don't need the Apostle Paul. I'm going to take his writings and put them aside. I'm not going to listen to him. His words don't fit with society today. I'll just I'll stick with Christ. And so you hear these kind of false teachings today. You hear someone come along and say, oh, baptism doesn't really matter. Well, what does Jesus say? Jesus, the one who instituted baptism, he commanded. He said, you become a disciple when you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the one who says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But others are like, no, I don't want to listen to that. And so we start to hear these things. Jesus wants his followers, again, to be able to, to recognize these false teachers. They're going to look innocent. But what we're going to see a little bit further down is they practice lawlessness. They do what is evil. You know, I'm often surprised sometimes when um, I hear about a congregation and I hear about uh, a certain leader in the congregation doing something wrong and he continues to do it wrong and he's teaching error and then his own lifestyle resembles that what is wrong and they keep following him. Why is that? If we're following Christ, we have the warning here from him not to, not to do that. Now, Jesus gives this instruction here. He says, you're going to know these false prophets by their fruit. And so does Jesus pass that test? Of course he does. Certainly he does. He's produced the greatest fruit and the greatest blessings that ever come upon the world that has affected us and changed us. And he's brought a holy way of living into the world that wouldn't exist without him. He brings in true altruism, the sense of that I can follow God, that I can be selfless, that I can take up my cross and follow after Him. So when I listen to the words of Christ, when I see His actions and His deeds, He passes the test. He's the standard. And so His words here are very helpful. His life is, is helpful. His teaching throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount helps us to not be deceived. Because again, there's going to be many false prophets, the Bible says. The Bible warns about deception in a number of ways. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, it's also in 1 John 1 and verse 8. Uh, both times you got Apostle John in one and you got Paul in the other. And they say, do not be deceived. And specifically they say, don't deceive yourselves. You ever thought about that? You can deceive yourself? You ever done that? You ever gone along with something, allowed something evil in your life or a sin? Because, well, I liked it. I wanted it. And that's another thing the Bible says in James chapter 1. We see this. James says that desires, people, that God doesn't tempt people and lead them away, but desires do. They have evil and wicked desires and that they will deceive you. Your own desires. So he says be aware of that. And so the, this is how a false prophet would be born, right? They would take what the gospel is. They would say, well, I desire this and I want this. And they'll deceive themselves and start to tell other people the same thing. And so we have people deceiving other people. As Ephesians says, with empty talk, vain talk. And there's more to that. And and again, every book of the New Testament, with the exception, I think, the book of Philemon, warns over and over again. All the small books, when you're going to write a small epistle, when you go look at like 2 John and 3 John, what's John writing about? Don't be deceived. Don't fall to the false teachers and the false prophets. Constantly saying that. All right, so 1 John 4 and verse 1, you have another warning like this. And John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits and whether they are from God. For many, many false prophets have gone into the world. Is that not true? Are they not on the media, on the TV? You can hear them in a lot of places saying all kinds of things in error. 
If you keep reading there in 1 John chapter 4, you're going to see this. John says this is how you identify someone who's a false prophet. Number one, they deny Jesus Christ and that He came in the flesh. That He actually, this is who He is. He came in the flesh, His identity. They go after Jesus many times. And not all of them, but many of them do. The other thing is, is they, are, they go contrary, it says in verse 6, to what the apostles taught. So if I, if I know what Jesus taught, and I know the apostles who bear witness to who Jesus is, and they teach the truth... As we also see in the book of Ephesians, don't be drift to and fro by every wind of doctrine. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to listen to the apostles and prophets who are guided by God's Holy Spirit and have delivered their word to us. Ephesians chapter 2, very end, verses 22 down to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6. All teaches us this is the foundation and the basis for recognizing. We've got to have that right foundation so that we're not ever deceived. Jesus warned about false, false prophets because um, they will appear among disciples. In other words, why warn people? Warn them because they're going to come into the church. They're going to be there. And we might be thinking this morning, well, this is a small congregation. We have, what, about 30 to 40 people? Um, that's not a threat here. My experience is the small congregations have big targets on them. In my experience in Jacksonville, Florida is that when there's a small congregation, whether you're 50 or 100, or 120 for that matter, uh, individuals will come in and say, listen to me. Don't listen to that guy or that guy. I've got it. I, I got it all figured out. And they begin to spread the things that they, they think the congregation should believe. It's very peculiar. Uh, I can think of one individual in specific who was spreading New Age stuff and things outside the Bible, and um, who came to me and he said, you know what, your time as preacher is over, it's my time now, you should move on. And, uh, you know, all kinds of things were going on like that. And so it does happen. Uh, what do we do about that? Those are things to think about. Here in Romans 6 and verse 17, we see one of the things you need to do about it. Paul says, now I urge you, brethren, note those or mark those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. Contrary to the doctrine meaning teaching, the set teaching, which you learned and do what? Avoid them. Withdraw from them. Don't have anything to do with them. All right? And, and that makes sense. Now, you might have a chance to sit down with somebody like in this situation with Priscilla and Aquila te- teaching Apollos, where you could teach someone else who has... Um, You know, beliefs that are contrary to the Bible. Maybe they're they're willing to listen to you. But you're going to know these false teachers because they're divisive. They don't want to listen. They cause offenses. They do things contrary. And the Bible says avoid them. Uh, John says this in 2 John. Again, a little epistle here. One chapter epistle. 2 John 10 through 11. He warns against people who teach contrary to the doctrine of Christ. And he says, and if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, do not receive him into your house or greet him. The word greet there means do not give them a blessing. You know, some people might go around a certain neighborhood. We know that heretical and knock on doors. Um, what do we do in that? Well, you could sit down and have a study with them. Uh, but at the same time, when it says here, don't greet them, the idea there is, what am I supposed to do? I'm not taking them into my house to house them and show them hospitality or to, to greet them. In other words, give them a blessing. I'm not showing any approval of what they're doing. It says, for he who greets him or gives him a blessing shares in his evil deeds. So those are things that stand out. What do we do? And so Jesus is giving us this warning, and we're going to come back to what his teaching is in the Sermon on the Mount. 
And I think this passage stood out to me as, as I was studying it. Is that First Thessalonians there, chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, another book warning about false teachers. What do you do? Test all things. Test everything. Everything you hear. Does it hold up? Is it according to God's Word? Is it according to the words of Christ? And it says, hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. The Bible gives us a standard, a way to test the things that we hear. The Bible says you need two or more witnesses. I need primary sources if I'm going to believe things that are being passed around. And the ultimate primary source that I could go back to that's divinely inspired and comes from God is the Bible, the Scriptures. That's what I rely on. I rely upon this book right here to keep me from going from error, from being deceived, from wolves taking advantage of those who love and I care about who are around me. And I need to be prepared and have the right foundation for that. Now, building on that, Jesus says this. Look at verses 21 to 23, back to the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. What kind of fruits are we looking for? We're looking not for a man who just calls Jesus Lord. We're looking at for someone who teaches the truth, who does the will of God, and who lives up to it. Those are the kind of people that we want to, to, to be listening to, our teachers and those around us and our elders and our Bible class teachers, to be teaching God's Word. He says, there's going to come a day, and listen to this, many will say to me, isn't that interesting? Jesus is saying, they'll say to me, Jesus is putting himself in the position of God. I'm the day of judgment. They're going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many mighty wonders or many wonders in your name? And Jesus says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you, you who practice lawlessness. What's the problem here? They don't keep the will of God. They're practicing lawlessness. And even though they come to Jesus and call him Lord and claim that they've done all these great mighty, maybe they did. Maybe they did do some of those things in his name. You know what? You think about someone who fits that description right now. You know who comes to mind? Judas. On the day of judgment, didn't I, call, I called you Lord. Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Yeah, Judas was among the twelve doing miracles. He was doing those things. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do many wonderful things in your name? And then Judas betrays him. And as we read in the Bible, his end was his destruction was hell because he never truly repented. And so Jesus says on that day, he's the one in authority. He's the one who's going to decide. He says, I'm going to say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I imagine those who are sitting around hearing this and thinking, who is this man? Now, this is the beginning, first year of Jesus' ministry. He's given this great sermon. He's done these wonderful miracles. And up to this point, you hear this sermon. And he's put himself into this position, warning against false prophets, and now declaring that he's going to be there in the day of judgment to make that judgment. He puts himself in the position of God. And rightly so. So as we think about these things, we might have certain things that come to mind. False prophets, what should I be aware of? Have you seen a religious person who claimed to do great works, but they produced bad fruit? And so we know this is a false teacher. In Jude, verses 3 through 4, this is the brother of Jesus. He says this, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, encouraging you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered. 
All right, you have some individuals going around today and say, yeah, the faith was delivered in the first century, but then it changed some and it changed again. And over time, it's changed. And we're getting new revelation from God today so that, well, the, the Bible is not exactly the authority. Well, that's an error right there. That's heresy. That's false teaching. But you do hear that today. Even religious groups have popped up along those lines claiming that their religious leader had a direct connection to God, and now they are teaching lies and leading people astray. And what way do they lead people astray? Well, the next verse is very fitting oftentimes because what happens in these circles is lewdness and sinfulness. Uh, they teach people that you're just mere animals. You hear that today as well. We're just evolved animals, live like an animal. It's okay. Um, all that kind of thinking. You know, the scriptures were already warning about 2,000 years ago. And so here Jude is writing this. He says, I'm exhorting you, I'm encouraging you, you've got to contend, fight for the faith which was once for all delivered. Don't let it be compromised. Don't give it up. Don't be deceived. He says, for certain men have crept in unnoticed. I think this is interesting. When you go to 2 Peter chapter 2, you have Peter saying, there's coming a time when these men are going to come into the church. When you get to Jude, Jude says, they have come. Now they're here. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of God. You ever heard this before? Who turn the grace of God into lewdness. And deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, is he, are they outright denying God and, and uh, Jesus as Lord? Especially when they're saying Lord, Lord. Well, what we're seeing here, they're, de- they're denying God because they take the grace and the mercy and they say, well, God gives grace, therefore I can live however I want to. And now they're compromising and they're allowing in lewdness and they're, they're allowing in different things that the Bible says, if you do these things, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And I encourage you this morning, don't listen to that. Don't be deceived. Listen to Christ. Listen to his words. So when Jesus in preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he comes down to the end and he says, do not be deceived. Beware, be on guard against false prophets. I think a good question for us to ask as Christians today is who's contending for the faith? Are you fighting for it? Are you holding it? It's once for all delivered. If, if I'm going to contend for the faith and allow it not to be compromised, I need to know it. I need to know the Word of God so I'm not deceived. And I know that's very true because exactly that's what we're going to see here. That's what Jesus is teaching here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to come to that in a moment as our conclusion this morning. But people must build. What do we got to build? We've got to build the house. So you have that depiction there, a part of our scripture reading of building the house on the rock. You build the house. You build your home, your life, what God has given to you on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Over in the Sermon on the Plain a year later, Jesus preaches, he gives a similar illustration here, saying very similar things in the Sermon on the Plain. And he describes digging down into the ground. Around the Sea of Galilee, some of the sand would become hard, it looked like a rock. So you had to test it and break through it and build down. But some of those some individuals, if they build their house on that sand thing, oh, it's, it's not going anywhere. It's stable. A storm would come and the whole ground, the landslide, would just sweep off into the Sea of Galilee. There goes your house. So you get that picture there, digging down and building the foundation. So people must build their house on the foundation of Christ to avoid being washed away by deceit and eventually, of course, being devoured by wolves. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to these words of Christ. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, all right, 
He's given warnings about false teachers. He says, you'll know them by their fruit. He's told us which way to go, the narrow way. He says, even though someone says, Lord, Lord, and even though we might say, Lord, Lord, does it make us right with him if we're practicing lawlessness and living in sin? And so he's saying, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, the whole sermon, whoever hears the teachings of him, and does them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the man who builds his house on the rock does what? He hears what Jesus is saying, and he does them. It says, then the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. There's going to be trials and temptations in your life. But if you're built on Christ, he says, that house, it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Is your house built right? You think about yourself, you think about your family. Am I built on the doctrine of Christ and the teachings of Jesus? If I'm not, one day the storm's going to come. And it's going to be all washed away. It's going to be destroyed. So you think about how perfectly Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. And all the teaching that we've covered the last three months. He says, listen to the words of mine and do them. And don't be deceived. Don't be washed away. I encourage you this morning, hear the words of Christ. At the end of Matthew chapter 7, there's two more verses there. And it says, when he spoke, he spoke as one with authority. And he didn't speak as the scribes. And the people were astonished at his teaching. Are you astonished at the teaching of Christ? If you believe in him and you trust in him, you hear the words of Christ. You see him speaking with authority because he is God come in the flesh. Then give your life over to him completely. Obey his words. Die to yourself, take up the cross, repent of your sins, confess your faith, be baptized, bury the old person and rise in the newness of life. Start the Christian life right now. We encourage you to do so. Whatever your needs are this morning, we can pray for you. You can come forward now. Let's stand and let's sing together.